Welcome to another episode of the Epic Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Meekum. Thanks for joining us today. It's going to be a fun one because we have Judy Harris, dietitian with the Epic program at the Utah Department of Health, along with Laura Holtrup-Cole. You're familiar with these ladies. She is also one of our nutritionists at the Department of Health. And we also have a special guest today. Danielle Conlon is with us. Danielle is a registered dietitian and nutritionist with the Utah WIC program. Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Judy and Laura, we haven't seen you since uh, the new year. So happy new year, everybody. Thanks, Dave. Happy new year. Hope you don't feel too um, outnumbered today. I'm used to this, as you know. I'm surrounded by, by women in my life, and I consider that a great blessing. All right. We have some news. Earlier this month, we have a new report that's been released. It's the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. And this is a report, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Danielle, but it comes out every five years. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. And can you tell us what it is and why it matters? What's important about this report and why does it only come out every five years? Yes. So every five years, the federal government, they create a coalition of experts, including researchers and dietitians, and they go through all of the research about nutrition in the U.S., including what people are currently eating and what the research recommends people should be eating. And they create that into a report called the Dietary Guidelines for Americans, and it briefly outlines recommendations for the public of what we should try to eat and changes that we should make to have a healthier dietary intake and reduce the risk of some of those nutrition-related diseases like obesity or diabetes. So it is pretty straightforward and has much changed in this year's report versus five years ago? So the big change is that they included recommendations all throughout the life cycles. That particularly includes infants from ages zero to two, as well as children from age zero to eight, and then recommendations for women who are pregnant and lactating and older Americans, where in the past, it only had recommendations for general adults. Just general adults. So that is a big change. Now, I would imagine a lot of that dietary information is going to be the same fairly widely across those age groups for the most part. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that is correct. I would say the biggest change is that we had the specific recommendations for infants aged zero to two. So that is very exciting. Yeah, their diet is very different. So let's maybe take a look at that. What are the recommendations now? Since this is new, we haven't had these recommendations in the report before. What is it that the USDA is calling our attention to and how we make sure that we have a proper nutrition for our infants? Yes, great questions. So right when an infant is born, the first recommendation is to breastfeed. And so breastfeeding exclusively, not giving any other foods such as infant formula or baby foods for the first six months is recommended because that is going to be the best nutrition for your infant and give them everything that they need to grow and develop. And then at about six months, when the baby is showing signs that they're developmentally ready for food, such as you may see that they are sitting up a little bit, they can hold their head up. If you give them a little bit of food at about six months, they wouldn't spit it back out on their chin. All of those are key signs that the baby's ready to start some of those complementary foods or baby foods. And when giving those baby foods, the breast milk is still the main source of nutrition those baby foods are just filling in the gaps and helping the baby try new foods as they get ready to eat more table foods and more of the family foods as they get older and move into childhood. 
That's fantastic. Now, Judy, I know that you have worked in this area for a long time. You're acknowledged expert in the field of breastfeeding. Do you have anything to add on to that? Yeah, thanks, Dave. And I think, Danielle, you, you said it really well. You cut to the chase right on, you know, what's important, exclusive breastfeeding for the first six months, and then um, adding those uh, complementary foods to the, the palate as they get older, and then continue to breastfeed for a minimum of what the American Academy of Pediatrics recommends of, of one year. But we all also know that uh, we're following more of a World Health Organization recommendation, which really shows the dose response, which means the more they get and the longer they get breastfed, the better health outcomes they have. And those health outcomes reach not only into childhood, but uh, adolescent and teens and through adulthood. We see the redu reduced risk of diseases and cancers, and even that plays on the mother's side as well with reduced cancers and uh, other issues. So it you know, didn't go into as much detail as I would like, you know, coming from my position, but um, yes, you know, all of those things are implied and stated to some extent. So those are just the additional things I would really emphasize that they could talk about going to two years of breastfeeding. The world average is more like three and a half. And that two year of breastfeeding really doesn't mean they're nursing the same amount when they were a four month old, but we're talking about a, a nursing in the, in the morning and maybe in the evening to re reconnect and to bond and maybe before you know, bedtime. So, you know, much less frequent and the times of COVID right now, it's really important that they have that immune protection and um, are fully defensed and, and developed to, to stay healthy. And I'm just, as a somewhat new mother, I am so thankful Danielle emphasized that once you introduce these foods to your baby, it's not like all of a sudden they're going to start eating these foods and eating a lot, but their main source of nutrition is still breast milk. And I think a lot of moms and dads kind of can get caught up and feel pressure that their baby's eating enough. And really, it's a slow process that the baby can kind of um, learn slowly. <laughs> Even as a dietitian, I wish someone had told me that. <laughs> Well, this is such important information. I've seen it personally in my life with my kids and how much of a difference breastfeeding can make in their lives. My kids were born premature and I just saw that difference and it's a wonderful thing and I'm glad that's in the report. So we have also information in there, Danielle, in the report as far as once we get past two to what, 18, where we didn't kind of have that in the report before. Anything remarkable or noteworthy in there that's different from the general adult population for that age group? Yes, great question. So the main difference is that it specifies different calorie amounts and different recommendations for food groups. And specifically with fruits and vegetables, they included all of the vegetable subgroups that you see also in like the National School Lunch Program, where in those programs, your kids will be getting dark green vegetables, red and orange vegetables, starchy vegetables, and then beans, peas, and legumes. And so they really broke that down for children as well so that it's easier for parents to look at what their child is eating and help them meet those goals so that they have a really healthy and balanced dietary intake. That all sounds so great. I'm really glad that our kids are being educated about the food group so early on in life. I know it made a difference in my girls when they were growing up and they still understand that and actually makes a difference in how they eat. Yeah. And another thing I wanted to bring up with you, Danielle, is there's been a lot of headlines about the, the idea of not having any added sugar in the diets of kids under two. I was wondering what you thought about that. Yes. So personally, I thought that that was a great recommendation and I'm glad that it was brought in just because with babies, like we talked about that breast milk is filling in 
all of their nutritional needs. And so those complementary foods are also adding in nutrition and helping them get used to those different like textures and flavors and the variety of foods. And so when they have such a nutrient dense diet between the breast milk and the complementary foods, like the proteins and the vegetables, they really don't have enough room in their diet for those added sugars. And those added sugars aren't adding any nutrients that the baby needs. And there are so many products out there that add added sugars and, and they just really aren't great for babies. They don't help establish those healthy dietary patterns. They're not adding that essential nutrition. And so I was glad to see that recommendation really clear. So we can teach people um, that their babies don't need those added sugars. And we can focus on those really whole foods and introduce them to those whole foods, like I said, with the variety of the textures and flavors, and set them up to continue trying those foods and eating those foods throughout their life. Yeah, I think so often that foods for our babies, and people that we care for, I think this even happens with our pets. They're marketed to appeal to us. So we think that they will enjoy them. Yeah. So that just doesn't need to be. Right. I think the benefit of feeding babies is they don't know what they're missing yet. <laughs> <laughs> and there's so many great things that they can eat and then that we offer them and they, they don't need to be missing that, those, those really sweet things. Some of the great memories that we have in raising our girls we're giving them these new foods for the first times. And some of them, you know, just like the pears and the look on their face. And it was so sweet. And it was just a pear. And it was just such a simple thing. And to watch them experience that for the first time was so great. And so much fun. Yeah. And I think that's a great point as well is it's so fun to introduce those foods, see those reactions, and then also keep introducing those foods over time and see how your baby gets used to them and and gets used to the different textures and flavors. It is normal for babies to not like new foods. The first time they try them sometimes, babies may have taste preferences just like adults. But as you keep introducing them like eight to 10 times, you may notice over time that your baby does start to get used to those foods and start to like them. So that is a fun fact that I like that they highlighted in the guidelines as well. Oh yeah, we had some great laughs because uh, you know if they don't like it, you know right away. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I want to add, that's so well stated, all of you. Um, and I think just setting that foundation is so key for determining lifestyle preferences and patterns and habits. And I think that's what I love about breastfeeding mamas in tune with babies, satiety and cues, maybe a little more acutely. And then when going into that transition of table foods, if you will, that really sets the precedence for how you're going to feed that one-year-old, that one-and-a-half-year-old, the two-year-old. And you kind of avoid and sidestep a lot of the, the, the issues with foods that can be challenging with which are baby foods or prepackaged foods. And they, they really do get used to those beautiful foods of fruits and vegetables and whole foods. And I think that's so key in establishing that. We don't see a, a lot of problems um, when we have this kind of pattern. And I think marketing has definitely seeped into our, the cracks of every aspect of our lives, our consumer lives. And that really shouldn't be what should be jurisdicting how we do things. We need to look at common sense, whole foods, and look at the evidence-based research that, that says and validates that sugar is not a good thing <laughs> in many, many aspects. It creates cardiovascular disease. It puts on weight for other chronic diseases. And it has no place really in, in our diets even as adults, you know, I mean, I wasn't saying no place, but very limited place where we could be using other foods for those flavors. 
depending on it in so many aspects of our foods. Judy, let me ask you this question. We're kind of running short on time here, but I really would like to know. We've spent a lot of time, even though this report from the USDA covers all ages of people, right? We focused mostly on this new section of infants zero to two. And you alluded to it earlier in talking about breastfeeding, but anything regarding breastfeeding and while we're still dealing with COVID that we should be aware of? Anything you'd like to say there? Oh, yeah. I think it's just so important that we we go back to some of these things that we know. We really need as a professional community to have more support for women that are nursing and the families and the dads that are supporting caregivers, workplaces, because breastfeeding really is going to help the immune system and the developmental growth of that baby that exponentially goes into high mode the first five months, the first two years, the brain is developing, the immune system is developing, and breast milk really, really contributes to that immune protection and developmental growth. And I think that we need to keep that in mind when we have emergencies, when we have separation from grocery stores, you know, it really brings us back to the basics that we should be nursing. And sadly, we have these events that are happening that are part of our world now that bring recognition to that, but we have to have that support in place. So call out, shout out to workplaces to support lactation in the workplace with their families, hospitals doing, stepping up for Utah babies, which are hospital-based practices, all these things that support breastfeeding. Thank you. I appreciate that. I am with you. It's so important. And I probably, I'm seeing a smile and, you know, and, and nodding heads across the panel here with everything you've said. Well, I want to thank everybody for being here. Laura, appreciate your help and your comments, Judy and Danielle, especially you for jumping on with us and being our special guest today. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was so wonderful. And I'm so glad we had this chance to talk. This is an interesting report, and if you want to see it, I will put a link to it in the show notes. Again, it's the USDA Dietary Guidelines for Americans, newly released this month. It comes out every five years, and a lot of good information in it. If you have questions about nutrition and what your diet should be, this is a great place to go. So thank you for being with us today. Thanks, everybody, for joining us, and we'll be back again next week with another episode of the Epic Podcast. Mm-hmm.